Welcome to Let's Talk Sales, the podcast that's all things sales and business development. This podcast series is for CEOs that are looking to build strong companies, sales VPs and sales managers that want to take things to the next level, and salespeople that are looking to improve. This podcast is brought to you by the Criteria for Success Sales Growth Program. Are you looking to experience a breakthrough in your team's sales? Have you tried sales training in the past, but were unable to make it stick? The Criteria for Success Sales Growth Program is a year-long engagement that combines sales and leadership training, a digital sales playbook, and a coaching and accountability process that will change your sales culture and drive sustained growth. And it's great for remote sales teams. Learn more at criteriaforsuccess.com. Today's podcast is part of our Q&A series where we respond to questions from you, our audience. I think I can safely speak for all of us here at CFS when I say that I love this segment of Let's Talk Sales because we're getting to do what we really love and that's help solve sales problems. We love hearing from you. So if you didn't get the chance to contribute to this month's Q&A, but still have a sales problem that you'd like us to address, shoot us an email at podcast at criteriaforsuccess.com. Now, let's get to it. This is Rebecca Toomey, and today I am talking with our CEO, Charles Bernard. Hello. Now, this is a a very special and authentic uh, episode uh, there are Q&A on managing remote sales teams because I am actually working remotely today myself. <laughs> I have a bit of a cold. I'm a little under the weather. And so Charles and I are, are doing this remotely, even though we work together every day in the office. So I love it. <laughs> You're doing a great job so far. <laughs> Thank you. I will try not to uh, cough or sputter or make any noises, but uh, I'll do my best. So, Charles, are you ready to get started with today's Q&A on managing remote salespeople? Let's do it. Awesome. All right. All month, we've been talking about talking and sharing tips on ways to better manage sales teams and salespeople that are working remotely. At the beginning of the month, we released an ebook called The Ultimate Guide to Managing a Remote Sales Team. And last week, we had an awesome webinar on the topic as well. So you can find both the ebook and the webinar replay at criteriaforsuccess.com. Simply click on the resources tab and you will get there. So now let's get into our audience questions. I like to start with a question that I think sets the context for this discussion, and that's why working, why is working remotely a trend? That was the first question that I thought really would lead this conversation off well. So Charles, do you wanna address this really quickly for me? Yeah, sure, I see a trend the trend is growing, so I see a lot more people working remotely. I think a lot of that, without getting too intellectual about it, is a product of how business is being done in general. Like everyone knows about the gig economy. You've got people driving Ubers, you've got people um, doing what we call gigs. That's why it's the gig economy. And I think more and more people are coming out with an expectation that they can work from home, the technology allows for it. It's keeping real estate costs down in terms of having a workforce all in one place. And for salespeople in particular, I think it's also a trend in people working remotely because frankly, they're not gonna be chained to their desk. They should be out meeting with clients or at least 
on their computers, prospecting, sending emails. A lot of electronic communication can be done from a Starbucks. So I think in general, um, the trend is growing, and those are some of the reasons why. Definitely. And I'd just like to throw out there that remote work for sales teams, in particular salespeople, really isn't that new of a concept. I mean, we've had road warriors, the traveling salesmen. That's kind of something that we've known about for a long time, right? That's, you know, where sales started was with people going door to door. And that's essentially remote work in and of itself. Agreed. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's, it is interesting to see how things are shifting with technology. We're able to do a lot more. Um, and I, so I hope that that answers your question, whoever was asking about this. <laughs> now, something else that came up that's really important to talk about when working remotely is this next question, and that's how do I establish trust and get my salespeople to follow protocol and not reinvent the process? Do you want to tackle this one first, Charles? Sure. I want to quote my good friend and good friend of CFS, Thomas Michael. He runs a virtual company and he's been doing it successfully for a number of years. They provide SAS, uh, I'm sorry, SAP training. And um, they are actually a software as a service, which, which is the SAS part. But what he says is that to establish trust and to get, get delegate to people, um, which is essentially what you're doing. You're delegating um, a, a level of trust. You're delegating tasks for salespeople to get done. Um, he actually says don't delegate tasks, so I'm going to contradict myself a little bit. He says delegate responsibility. So I feel that uh, trust gets established very quickly when I've asked people uh, on a sales team, because I've managed a remote sales team and I've also seen people manage remote sales teams to take care of certain elements like reporting. Like if I'm getting my reports on time, if I have a status update on activity for my salespeople, I don't really need to find out where they are, what they're doing moment by moment. The best salespeople that I found that really establish that trust protocol early are the ones that get ahead of the curve meaning i'm not chasing them for information they're being proactive so i think what will establish trust the most is proactivity and in a way people the sales team knowing ahead of time what it is that the manager is looking for mm -hmm. definitely and I'd like to address the reinvent the process part of this question, too. You really did well with the trust part of it. And I think that people often, when they're working remotely, they reinvent process because they're out on their own and they feel like, oh, I just need to do this or I'll just change this and, and it'll work. I don't have time to go to my manager. I don't have time to you know, go through the trouble of asking someone if this is okay. And they start to do their own thing and kind of become an island. And I think that the way to get around this is to make sure that you have a really tight digital sales playbook in place. That I knew you were going processes. there. <laughs> I knew that was where you were going. I could tell. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll interrupt you quickly because I'm very excited. Obviously, you and I are on the same page. It's really critical. And that's what we do for a living, right? We 
we implement digital sales playbooks. They're cloud-based, they're online, they're user-friendly. And we have either the do-it-yourself version, which is Calavia, mm -hmm. or we have our uh, larger, more detailed engagement where we build the sales playbook with the uh, client we're working with. Either way, the end result is that there's a digital sales playbook. And to your point, Rebecca, it really is number one design so you don't reinvent the process yes. as a salesperson. You don't have to keep asking the same questions. You don't have to figure out how to go about prospecting. You don't have to figure out how to run a meeting. You've got all these best practices that are unique to the company you're working for. And um, in a way, it's just this con constant relearning, retraining, reinforcing all the things that over time in this particular company that has developed this playbook has worked. So you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Definitely. And, and that's the goal, right? <laughs> to have something that's so good that people don't feel like they need to change it every second. Exactly. Awesome. Well, that actually leads right into the next question, which is, what tools should I be using and how do I ensure my team has the right resources? Those two questions I felt like really went together because they speak a lot to technology and learning capabilities and things of that nature. So, of course, you guys know what I'm going to say, which is <laughs> make sure that you have a digital sales playbook in place that also integrates with your other processes because obviously you need things like a CRM, an inbound marketing platform, and of course the sales playbook and if they're all working together in unison that's when i personally think that sales remote sales teams have the most power what about you charles you know um you've led me into a really good place because i use our own internal playbook at cfs and we advocate this for the remotes that um we're working with um there are a lot of repetitive things. We just talked about that, not reinventing the wheel. I'll go into my CRM and I'll be running an activity report, a to-do list report, a report on where my leads are, what are the leads I got to call, who do I need to check in with to move a deal along. A lot of that is repetitive behavior. And rather than go into different screens in the CRM uh, and fish around for that information, that I know I'm gonna need pretty much all the time. Uh, I've advocated, and um, this is just the best practice when you have a digital sales playbook, is to have an area in the playbook that is what I call shortcut HTML links, just simple links that you would click on that take you right into the very places you wanna go immediately um, to get information. So you don't have to kind of fish around using uh, your CRM and getting into different screens. So the playbook is a driver uh, for best practices across all your platforms where you can create a link. So for example, if you're using salesforce.com, that's cloud-based, and any information you need to access, you can start with your playbook because it gives you context, which is a word you've been using quite a bit lately. Um, it kind of gives you a reason why you need to go to this particular area in the CRM mm -hmm. if you want to follow a particular activity. So the playbook can be very helpful uh, for that. The other thing 
uh, playbook can be very helpful for we are not reinventing the wheel, as we said earlier, is when you're using LinkedIn. So we use LinkedIn. We happen to use LinkedIn Navigator, but a lot of our clients, again, use that. They use either the free version or the premium version, in this case, LinkedIn Navigator. And they're making connections. They're asking for introductions. They're posting content. They're staying in touch with past clients or current prospects. And a lot of that is repetitive, meaning they're sending the same types of emails. And the playbook is just the place, again, where you can store templates. So when you're asking for an introduction, you know how to go about doing that. There's a best practice for how to actually put the content in an email to make that request, mm -hmm. right? You actually have been doing that with me quite a bit. Yeah. Um, you and I have been working together, right? Putting putting those templates together. To, uh, together. So um, I think the playbook is really designed to be a time saver and it's important for remote salespeople because I think there's a tendency if there's no one around you to kind of drift off and having something that's going to save time and organize you like a playbook is really the way to go to keep you productive when you're working alone, let's say from home. Definitely. I totally agree. And I want to throw one more in there for the playbook. And this has more to do with the uh, how do I ensure my team has the right resources question? And that's one other thing to consider in your playbook is that your playbook can also be a training academy for your company. It can be the place where people go for the resources that they need. So thing, e even things as small as HR, stuff that they need to know related to that can live in your playbook. But of course, something that's more exciting to me would be the actual training content, which can live inside your playbook. And that's something that mm. we encourage and we use ourselves within our own playbook. Well, and I also love that you and Elizabeth have uh, put together a series of videos because a lot of people like to process information visually. Mm -hmm. and, um, and it's nice to be able to embed videos, like you said, like a training academy. Yeah, yep. It takes things to the next level when you allow people to learn from, from where they are and in the context that they're able to learn in as well. So now let's get into some real management questions here. We had, how do I manage without hovering? And how do I manage without micromanaging? Basically these questions about, they, they kind of actually go back to what you said earlier, Charles, about how if the salesperson is upfront and they're proactive, um, it kind of heads off any sort of problems. I, I think these are specifically two specific issues that might head off that issue. But how can these managers manage effectively without seeming like they're micromanaging? Well, that's an age-old question. So I'll give you an example um, with a client that we have. We have a client who has a sales team of about 30 plus. So it's not huge, but it's not tiny, but they're scattered around the country. And one of the things we advocate to get around the micromanagement aspect of your question, mm -hmm. where one person is chasing, or you've got regional VPs chasing a series of salespeople, which is exhausting for both the person doing the chasing, the person being chased. Mm -hmm. We actually have advocated that we break the team into cohorts. And we have this thing called a sales uh, coaching program. It's a peer level. 
And what you do is um, people opt in and volunteer. They don't all have to be on the sales team, but it's another way to avoid this sort of micromanagement where people are checking in in small groups of threes and fours and someone's um, volunteered to be a coach to kind of make sure that the calls are being scheduled. There, There's a series of calls we advocate that get scheduled on a frequent basis and then there's on demand, of course. But that really gets to the heart of a couple of things, Rebecca. W one is you don't have one point of contact uh, micromanaging a whole bunch of people because they're out of contact with their teams. They have to keep bugging them and asking them lots of low-level questions. Mm -hmm. So by spreading out the um, the coaching and the mentoring uh, into smaller groups at a peer level, I think you can get around that very quickly and it avoids a lot of that hovering you were talking about. So that's just one idea. Yeah, I love that. I think that that's such a great idea. We talk a little bit about I think we talked about it in our uh, roundtable about kind of the buddy system or like you said, triads or working in fours, having the salespeople coach each other and work together. And that actually helps to head off any issues with camaraderie as well, right? Because so often teams that are working remotely, they don't see each other very often. They don't get to interact. So by putting them in a position where they're kind of essentially forced to work together is actually to their benefit. Absolutely. And they feel more connected to the company and to each other. Definitely. <laughs> kind of funny. That leads right into the next couple of questions. <laughs> <laughs> we received a couple of different ones that were along the same lines. How can I build morale? How can I keep people motivated and involved? How can I keep my team connected to one another? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I can give you some tips because, again, this is right in our wheelhouse. We're working with sales teams and we're working with a lot of remote sales teams. And I think you you nailed it, right? And that's why it was a good seg segue in the last thing we talked about, where being connected with small groups is one way to um, help build morale. But I think another is to really encourage storytelling. And so, for example, if you're managing a remote sales team, you're likely to be doing conference calls on a frequent basis. They could be weekly, they could be bi-weekly. I recommend weekly because, again, it helps people stay more connected. Mm -hmm. And whatever you talk about on these weekly conference calls, I think it's a good idea to allocate 10, 15 minutes to people on the call to tell stories or exchange uh, new ideas about how to streamline either content that's in the playbook or just something that they've tried with a new client or prospect and it worked uh, i'll give you a classic example i know someone who is um selling uh energy so they're an alternative to uh someone who has a little bit of a monopoly in a city so in new york it's con edison for example not knocking it i'm just saying that there are these alternatives and many times you go to these aggregators who can give you a better a better deal. Mm -hmm. So she was sharing with me um, that she had created a new spreadsheet. So when she's in front of somebody, um, rather than talk in general terms, she can say, do you have a sense of what your spend is? Uh, yes, I do. 
I have my my uh, electric statements here, my my energy statements here. Great, let me plug them into the spreadsheet, and instantly she can tell her prospect what a projected savings would look like at 10%, at 20%, 30%, and in some cases, 40%. Mm-hmm. So what's the bottom line? She put this spreadsheet together and um, on the next conference call, shared it, um, never been done on the team for some bizarre reason. I don't know why <laughs> it kind of sounds logical to me, but it was a tool that she had created for herself that got shared um, with the rest of the team mm-hmm. immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, it's a it's a relatively new story, so I don't have statistics and data to tell you whether it's made a huge difference. But from what I can tell, it's already made a difference to her, and I'm sure it's going to make a difference to others on the team. That's great. So that was reinventing the wheel, but in a good way, in a way that in was necessary for the sale. It was a development of a process that could use a little bit of improvement. It sounded like and. I'm excited to hear the results. Check check back in with me, Charles. I want to hear what happens with this spreadsheet. Yeah, you got it. So the bottom line is, you know, in that story and in other situations, give people the opportunity to be a thought leader. And I think that's a big morale boosters. It keeps people motivated and involved, to your point. Mm-hmm. And, um, hey, listen, you know, if you're not seeing someone face-to-face, day-to-day, uh, I think it's a it's another way to to know what's happening out there with the rest of your team and to know that there is a team. Mm-hmm. Definitely, and I know that we recommended this a couple episodes ago, but also using your digital sales playbook to help people communicate. Um, our playbooks and the Calavia playbook has a forum section that allows people to start conversations, start discussions. And that has been a really cool thing for remote teams because it allows people to stay engaged throughout the day with each other. That's apart from text message or email um, and is specific to the topics that are mentioned within the forums, which I think is a cool thing. Another idea too is to make sure that team building activities are a priority whenever you do meet in person. I think that that's really important to have an annual on-site sales improvement, sales growth, sales training, whatever you want to call it, a growth day where people are getting together. But of course, throw some fun in there as well. You don't want it to be all <laughs> all classroom time and, and no fun. You know, you, I want to respond to a couple of things because you said some really, you, you put some real good gems out. One is the forums. And, you know, people do a lot of things with forums. You know, it's in the playbook. They can post topics. It could be fun. It could be reading books and exchanging ideas and things like that. But also the forums can help um, from a from a professional selling standpoint in that, again, if we go back to these peer level coaching ideas that we've been throwing out, some of the forums are really good for salespeople asking questions of each other. So we have a client, um, they're a minerals company and believe it or not, a lot of their sell is pretty complex. There's a, they, they're used in manufacturing, filtration in particular. I won't bore you with the details, but there's a lot of, complex chemical properties and things like that and so these salespeople, um although they they know their their uh, product really well there's still a lot of subject matter experts on the team uh 
Some have better expertise than others. And they created a number of forums around some of the different products, and they were actually using those to ask questions of each other. So people on one particular um, topic would be able to answer quickly. And again, it's getting rid of the bottlenecks. Mm -hmm. It's letting the sales team exchange questions and, and go to each other for information. And so I just wanted to call that out because yeah, I thought awesome. that was important. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, how cool would it be to have a customer feedback discussion on there where, you know, while people are out selling, when they get feedback about the product or service, they were able to share that with each other and not in a negative way. Of course, you don't want it to be a complaint committee where people are like, oh, another person complaining about this. You want it to be more of a proactive, hey, this is what the market is asking for. You know, let's consider pivoting in this direction type of stuff. I think that's important, and, and that could be useful if you've got your marketing users, which you usually do, in the playbook, and they're looking at that, and they're getting real-time data from the market. Definitely. All right, so I saved the tough stuff for last. <laughs> we had a few sales managers that were curious to learn more about <laughs> accountability and performance, which are, can, can be you know tough conversations to have. So some of the questions that we got were, how should I handle accountability? And what are some KPIs I should consider using for my remote team? And now, Charles, before you jump in, I wanna address the first one, how should I handle accountability? Um, because I think what they mean is, how do I have those hard discussions? How do I handle when someone's not doing what they need to be doing? That type of stuff. Mm. Uh, well, that's. I'm glad you clarified that because that's not what I was uh, about to. That's not the area I was going to go into. But now I'm going to have to pause and think. <laughs> um, accountability is definitely in my wheelhouse. Um, yeah, you wrote so the ebook I, on it, Charles. I know. <laughs> Literally, and I know. If, if I'm at CFS, the um, if accountability is my wheelhouse, time blocking is your wheelhouse. Oh man, I thought I was going to go one whole podcast without talking about it, but no, <laughs> no way. Um, so it's funny because I give these. I laugh because I repeat what I'm about to say many, many times. I was actually in uh, Pennsylvania yesterday in Philadelphia uh, talking to a group of CEOs about accountability. And people get very squirrely around accountability. Like, I want to hold my team accountable. Uh, they're not accountable. I wish they were more accountable. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I think people say that and they don't really know what it means. And Because when I ask them, what does that mean? They go, well, uh, and I get a lot of weird answers, right? Like, they're not honoring their commitment or whatever mm -hmm. the issue i think can get addressed by nipping and nipping nipping it in the bud uh, and that is to have people on the team especially if they're working remotely to um, set goals and make the goals visible now to your question about when people aren't performing well if you continue my line of thought if i'm setting goals and making my goals visible then i'm setting up myself to be accountable and the visible part is that my manager the person that's holding me accountable or my coach uh, has insight into my goals can comment on them can ask me are they realistic can give me all kinds of feedback and also support mm -hmm. so if i've set a bunch of goals and perhaps my manager has set a, a goal or two that they want me to accomplish 
then it's easy to have those hard conversations because you can be objective. It's like, well, you committed to do these things. Uh, here are the results. They didn't get done or they didn't get done to the level that you and I agree isn't um, satisfactory or isn't producing the result the way we'd like it to. And so I think it goes right back to letting people um, hold their, themselves accountable first and be accountable to those tough review questions when for whatever reason uh, they dropped out the execution part. So I think it, go, it does go back to your agreements. And I think uh, it's very difficult to hold people accountable if there's no agreement between the two parties on what it is they're being accountable to. Does that sound, true, true. I know that's yeah. kind of roundabout, but I just want to make sure that made sense. No, that does make um, sense. That does make sense. And I think that KPIs are also informed by the goals that you mentioned, right? You know, you've got to set your goals yeah. first so that you can work, um, work each day into accomplishing those KPIs. All right, well, I got one more for you on <laughs> KPI. Good, good. And I guess, I bet you know what I'm going to say. So um, this is another area I'm very passionate about. And I'm realizing as I'm talking that this really does apply uh, very well to, uh, to managing a remote sales team. What we see a lot, right, in KPIs is people managing number of phone calls, uh, number of meetings. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. But the problem is um, we've often seen someone make 100 phone calls and get no appointments and someone else makes three phone calls and gets three appointments. Mm -hmm. And there's a tendency to fudge the system a little bit like i called to wish him a happy birthday that's a phone call or um i'm being kind of humorous but i mean there are there are situations where mm, i'm being a little squeaky on whether that was a productive phone call that's really what we're talking about mm -hmm. it's very hard to measure productive phone calls it's very hard to measure productive meetings right i go to meet with someone and it's really a check-in meeting or i go to meet with someone and it's really uh, a lunch and we we didn't really talk a lot of business but i mark it down as a meeting and it goes against my kpis and people might think I'm in good shape, and I might even kid myself that I'm in good shape. There's one, there's one uh, KPI that we advocate that we feel uh, really has teeth. It really does matter. And uh, I'll explain it, and I think you'll agree it works. So we call it the deal document. And what it is essentially is an email that gets sent after a follow-up, as a follow-up to a meeting, to a, to a bona fide prospecting meeting. So I met with a prospect. We spent an hour together, 45 minutes, whatever it is, and I send an email. Now, in our playbook, in, in the playbook platform that we provide, we have a structure. That's another one of those best practices that we advocate, and there's a template for it. And it has four sections, and it describes what the sections are, and it describes how it should be formatted so it keeps the prospect engaged. But that's not where I'm going with the KPI. Where I'm going with the KPI is if you count the number of those follow-up emails that are submitted by a salesperson, a remote salesperson, and in aggregate, you add them all up for the entire team, that has irrefutably been the best KPI 
that we've ever seen executed. Because if you think about it, um, those deal emails uh, are really indicators of real deals. There's no gaming, there's no fudging. You must have had a quality interaction. So what we recommend is that you create an inbox that you BCC those emails when you send them out and then tally on a monthly basis, perhaps, what the volume of, of emails is. And when volume goes up, you're likely to uh, see business goes up. That's that go up. That's a real uh, leading indicator. Definitely. I could not agree with you more, Charles, on that one. I'm so glad that you brought up Deal. And for our audience listening in, we actually wrote an ebook on Deal. So if you want to check it out and try to implement this or implement this as a KPI within your team, you can find the it in the show notes for today's show, criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod69. And I'll also throw the accountability ebook in there called Accountability in Sales. And uh, yeah, check those out. They're great ebooks. And thanks for mentioning Deal, Charles. You're very welcome. You knew I would. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you did. I actually uh, didn't think about that until you started going there. And then I was like, oh, I know where he's going. <laughs> we have a way of working that way, I guess, huh? Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Any last words of wisdom or advice for our managers that are managing their, their, these wonderful remote sales teams? I think if you, if you really take a philosophical approach and uh i, I think one of the things because we've been doing a lot of writing on this right as as a team yes. when managing a remote um sales team trust seems to be one of the big recurring themes like you trusting your team your team trusting each other and so my advice is um give trust because give trust and earn trust like as a manager you know, give your trust and you can always take it back if someone violates it, but give it first and give people the benefit of the doubt. And then as a salesperson working remotely, earn that trust. And that goes back to all the stuff that we talked about. Awesome. Thank you so much, Charles. You're very welcome, Rebecca. Feel better. <laughs> thank you. And thank you all so much for listening to today's show. Again, you can find the notes for today's show at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 69. Tune in next week when I'll be interviewing Jack Reamer and Jeremy Chatelaine from Cold Email Outreach Podcast. Really cool episode. And those guys know some stuff about cold email outreach. And of course, don't forget to tune in on Friday for an inspirational message from Steven Johnson. And all month we wrote about managing remote salespeople on the CFS blog. So check that out at criteriaforsuccess.com slash blog. Are you looking for ideas on how to foster innovation within your sales team and company? Next month's theme is all about innovative ideas and improvement. So stay tuned. Enjoying the show? Please subscribe to Let's Talk Sales or share with a friend. If you've got feedback for Let's Talk Sales, we want to hear it. So shoot it our way. We'll put it in our forum section under feedback. And you can reach us at podcast at criteriaforsuccess.com. And remember, please follow us. We're on Twitter, let's underscore talk underscore sales. Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success and is produced by myself here, Rebecca Toomey, Ariana Miskell, and Elizabeth Frederick. Happy selling!